Praise the Lord. I'm a very proud daddy today. <laughs> Glory to Jesus, amen. You know, the Bible says your children will be mighty in the land, and so we claim that for all of our children in Jesus' name, that our children are going to serve the Lord. As for me and my house, we shall serve the Lord. Well done, Ewan. Um, so again, just to remind you, next weekend we're going to be praying and fasting, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and, you know, just to, I suppose, to draw some boundaries, firstly, you know, we're not looking to do this out of legalism, and we're certainly not looking to, you know, put anybody under condemnation. Again, for myself, you know, I'll be doing a water fast, just drinking water only. I think it's important if you are fasting to drink water. And um, it's, it's dangerous to go without water. But um, uh, for others of you, maybe you might do a Daniel fast where you're just eating vegetables or a juice fast where you're just drinking juice, etc. Um, you know, it's not about, uh, it, you know, putting you in a, in a place where you're just so focused on the fasting that you're not actually um, uh, praying. But, you know, it is good for us to put our bodies under. And, you know, um, uh, uh, many people have put on weight over this whole season, so I think it might do you good. Um, but, you know, it is very good for your body, even physically. But, you know what, there's tremendous power released when people fast and pray. Jesus said, how be it this kind go out, not out, but by prayer and fasting. Now, some of you are listening and your flesh is going, no, but that's your flesh, amen, and we need to learn to put our body under, Paul, uh, that's what Paul said, but, um, and, and so, in, in, in the same way, it's important for us to, to walk in self-control, to develop self-control, and there's something about fasting, again, your body doesn't like it, but uh, what it enables you to do is to really focus on the Lord and the time that you would have spent eating, you can spend it reading the Bible or praying, or, and um, so, I do believe that, you know, God is bringing the church into a different place. You know, we've been through the fire, and part of the going through the fire is God uh, brings a process of purification. And so I do believe God is purifying the church, and he's, um, you know, bringing that spotless bride, um, you know, that's going to bring him the glory and the honor. So I would encourage you to, you know, to prepare your heart uh, for what God's going to do next weekend. We're going to have thousands of believers all around this country uh, joining us in prayer and, and many in fasting. And, um, you know, we're believing for the yokes to be broken. Uh, we're be believing for, for these restrictions to be lifted. We're believing to be able to go back to church. And sometimes, um, as the saying goes, if you want to have something you've never had before, you're going to have to do something you've never done before. Now, for some of you, maybe you've never fasted before, or maybe you haven't done it in a long time, but I believe God is bringing all of us into a, a place where I believe we're going to fast regularly and um, where we're really going to seek His face because we're not looking for... Uh, to go back to church as it was. We believe that God is going to uh, bring us back into a place where we're much more powerful, where we're, there's going to be a new boldness, a new fire, a new passion. And part of that, whether you like it or not, um, uh, fasting is part of our spiritual life. Amen. And uh, so I would encourage you again to, um, uh, you know, make the time. Uh, next weekend, we're going to fast, we're going to pray, we're going to seek the Lord, and we're going to believe in Jesus' name uh, to see those walls come down in the name of Jesus Christ. Because at this stage, I think Ireland has probably got one of the most severe uh, lockdowns in the entire world, aside from countries like Cuba. And um, so, again, we are in a league in our own. And there was a time when, as a minister, I was feeling a lot of condemnation and shame and saying, Lord, you know, have we done enough to, to try and get the churches open, etc.? But, um, you know, God brought me to the place where I started to think, you know, what is God planning to do in this little island that has the devil so worked up that he has, you know, maneuvered circumstances so that the church has been closed for such a long time, you know, particularly compared to anywhere else in Europe, why has God kept the church closed for longer in Ireland than anywhere else in Europe and longer than probably nearly anywhere in the world? I believe it's because what God is going to do in this nation is going to touch the nations of the world. We're going to see the glory of God revealed. We're going to see the fire of God fall. We're going to see men and women turning to Christ, and we're not just going to see our churches 
open, we're going to see the hearts of the Irish people open. And once again, men and women will go forth from this island to the nations of the world, bringing the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that is why we have faced such stiff opposition. But you know what? Change is coming. Breakthroughs are coming in the name of Jesus. Because when God's people fast and pray, changes come. God said to Daniel, Daniel had been fasting for 21 days. And, you know, God said, from the very first day that you prayed, Daniel, we heard you. Amen. And, uh, you know, there was a battle going on in the heavenlies. Well, there's a battle going on in the heavenlies over our nation and over many nations of the world with these, um, uh, you know, with these restrictions, uh, you know, and, and when you boil much of what's going on, it, it, it feels like a form of socialism, like a form of communism. People have lost so many of their freedoms. I appreciate you may not be politically correct to say that, but that's a fact. You know, we have, um, there's been an unprecedented loss of, of personal freedoms and liberties, civil liberties, religious liberties, etc. And I believe there's a spirit behind that. And we need to pray and believe for these restrictions to be broken and for freedom to return to our nations in the name of Jesus. Because the Bible says where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And we claim that liberty, Lord. And we pray even now, Lord, in Jesus' name, for the restoration of religious freedom in Ireland and for freedom and liberty to come to our nation and to the nations of the world in the name of Jesus Christ. And all the people of God said, amen. We're in agreement. Amen. So that's nothing to do with the message. I just wanted to put that out there. But again, prepare your heart for what God is going to be doing next weekend. And again, uh, uh, I'd encourage you. We have a little video on Christian Voice Ireland, you know, uh, uh, talking about it. So I encourage you to, to you know, to share the video. Um, you know, you can click um, on the event that you're going and share that. That's a good way of getting the word out there because I believe, again, the answer, um, you know, uh, like the Bible says, uh, some trust in horses, some in chariots, but we will trust in the Lord. Our eyes are on the Lord and we believe breakthrough is coming in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Even if God has to send a big old angel to come down and, 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 and you know, kick down some doors and, and break down some walls. He'll do that. Amen. We believe it in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. So let's pray today. Father, we thank you for your word. Your word is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the vision of soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and is the discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And so, Lord, this morning, we open our hearts to your eternal word, and we say, Lord God, speak to us through your word in the name of Jesus. Jesus Christ. Let your word uh, be that manna upon which we feed, Lord God. You are the living bread. You are the bread of life. And today we come before your word and we say, Lord God, speak to us in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. So uh, we're talking today about wisdom, God's way. Amen. We're not talking about wisdom, the world's way. Uh, we're talking about wisdom, God's way. Hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. So, um, glory to God. Wisdom, the definition of wisdom is the quality of having experience, knowledge, and good judgment. The quality of being wise. So the question is, are you wise? And if not, why not? Amen. Because there's nothing more important or urgent in life than learning and walking in God's wisdom. Because when your life is over, will you be described as wise? Or will you be described as a fool? You see, we need wisdom for family, for work, and for marriage. Amen. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's as they say, all marriages are happy. It's the living together afterwards that causes all of the problems. And, you know, we can, we can laugh about that. But you know what? What makes the difference between marriages that make it and those that don't? Well, I believe a large part of it is a willingness by both parties to walk in godly wisdom. And we're going to turn to Proverbs chapter 9 and verse 1. And um, that's better. Uh, Proverbs 9 verse 1, wisdom has built her house, she has hewn out her seven pillars, she has slaughtered her meat, she has mixed her wine, she has furnished her table, she has sent out her maidens, she cries out from the highest places of the city, whoever is simple, let him turn in here. So wisdom, uh, here we see that wisdom prepares. 
Wisdom is ready for what comes. Wisdom is ready for every eventuality. And um, it's so important that we are prepared and that we prepare our hearts for what God wants to do in this season. As for him who lacks understanding, she says to him, come, eat of my bread and drink of the wine I've mixed. Forsake foolishness and live and go in the way of understanding. And in verse 10, it says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, and uh, the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. For by me your days will be multiplied, and years of life will be added to you. So here it says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And um, again in verse 6, Forsake foolishness and live. Go on the way of understanding. So again, it takes humility to acknowledge that you don't know it all. William Shakespeare said this, A fool thinks himself to be wise... But a wise man thinks himself to be a fool. And again, it's this understanding that we have the humility enough to recognize and acknowledge, I don't know it all, whether it's in the realm of, 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 of our faith, our family, our marriage, or any aspect of our being. It's so important that we take the attitude, I can still learn, I can still become better, I can improve in Jesus' name. So 1 Peter 5 verse 8 says this, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring line walketh about seeking whom he may devour. The contemporary English version says, be on your guard and stay awake. Your enemy, the devil, is like a roaring lion sneaking around to find someone to attack. So here we can see that the Bible clearly implies that there are some people the devil can attack and there are others that he can't. And I believe that a wisdom is a large part of what enables us to walk in protection and puts us off limits from the devil. Because let me say this, the devil isn't playing games even if you are. Amen? It's essential that we get God's wisdom because without it we will fail. Amen? We have seen Far too many good people uh, fall prey to the lies, traps, and temptations of the enemy because there is an urgency to this hour that we are in. As a society, we are facing unprecedented challenges and an unrelenting enemy. Amen. We desperately need God's wisdom because, like I said, He is an unrelenting enemy. Just because He tried you and failed yesterday does not mean that He's not going to try you again today. The devil is unrelenting, and that's why we have to be stubborn. We have to be consistent and we have to walk in wisdom. You can't take a day off from God. You can't take a day off from your faith or a week off or a month off as some Christians do. No, we must be consistent in the season because whether or not you're consistent, know this, the devil is. Amen. And he goes about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Amen. So again, there is an urgency to the hour we're in. But sadly, this is the thing. We desperately need God's wisdom, but Sadly, we're not a generation that values wisdom. Wealth, yes. Fame, definitely. Knowledge, of course. Even our kids have so many different uh, sorts of technical devices that enable them to access the internet and buy us some peace and quiet so that we can sit on our couch and stare blankly at our oversized TV screens watching endless box sets made by people who mock God, reject truth, and despise the Judeo-Christian values that our society was built on. You see, we complain about the state of our world, and yet we seem utterly oblivious to the fact that we are part of the problem because we are underwriting services like Netflix that are actively undermining morality and truth, faith and family. Sadly, we have many smartphones, but not near as many smart people. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 1. We need wisdom, but we need it God's way. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 1 to 16. I'm going to read this rather lengthy passage because it, the whole chapter essentially talks about wisdom. And I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom, declaring to you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I was with you in weakness and fear and in much trembling. My speech and preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. Human wisdom. Human wisdom, this is where we need God's wisdom. Human wisdom that says, don't go to church, it's a threat to your health, but you can walk into Don's or Tesco or anywhere else without even giving a thought. 
Human wisdom that, that tries to tell you that other human beings are, 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 are a threat to your, to your health, to your existence. You know, we need God's wisdom. I've been so surprised that people I thought were people of faith over this last season. You know, just listening to worldly wisdom. I'm not talking about, you know, just using natural wisdom. I appreciate there's natural things we can do. But you know what? Some people have just, it's like they've just thrown their faith completely aside. Because of what they're feeding on. We need to feed on the word of God. I don't know about you. I'm determined. I want to live this message. I'm not one person up here and somebody else down there. I'm not one way on a Sunday and some way different on a Monday. You know, Joanna and myself, we believe this message. We believe in this life. In the life of faith. And it says, it says, My speech and preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power. That your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. The wisdom of men. The power of God. You see, the natural wisdom of man says we need to close churches, but we need to keep our bookies and our off licenses open. For me, that is, you know, an indication of uh, our distorted values as a society. Unfortunately, even endorsed by government. So somebody can go and, and, you know, go to off licenses and, you know, drinking alcohol is destroying their life and in many instances manifesting itself with domestic violence in the home. And so many marriages have broken up over the season, but we need to keep the churches closed because that's the one place where men and women are going to be taught about how to keep, you know, their marriages together. Can you see, you know, how the enemy is distorting things? I'm not saying this is necessarily intentional on a government level, but it's simply a betrayal of the fact or an indication of the fact that as a society, you know, our our rulers no longer understand the importance of values or godly wisdom. However, we speak wisdom among the wise. However, we speak wisdom among those who are mature, yet not the wisdom of this age, nor of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. Let me say this, George, people talk about George Soros or Bill Gates or whoever else. Those people are coming to nothing. They have no power. And you don't have to be, you know, obsessing over all of these things. I see Christians right now spending so much time, you know, watching this video and that video and all these different theories. You know, some may be true, some may maybe not. But you know what? You need to feed on the word of God. If some of you gave half the time to the Bible that you're giving to watching all of these various videos, you'd be a champion of the faith. The Bible says they're coming to nothing. You don't have to fear them. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom, which God ordained before the ages for our glory, which none of the rulers of this age knew. For had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, I has not seen, nor you heard, nor have entered the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. The wisdom of God. Jesus Christ was crucified. He was on a cross uh, in, in weakness. In shame, Uh, it looked like darkness had won, but you see the wisdom of God. You don't always necessarily understand God's wisdom at the time. Because the Bible said that even the rulers of this world, the spiritual rulers, if they had understood what they were doing, they would not have done it. They would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But you see the wisdom of God always supersedes the wisdom of men and devils. This is why we can trust in his word. This is why we can build our life on the word of God. Because there is a wisdom that transcends anything this world has to offer. There is a wisdom that comes from heaven and it's contained in the Bible. Hallelujah. And that's why the sun, you know, on Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. Amen. We can trust in God's wisdom. The things God has prepared for those who love him. For God has revealed them to us through his spirit. For the spirit searches all things. Yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of a man that is in him. Even so no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world. But the spirit that is from God. That we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. Hallelujah. I thank God that he has filled us with his Holy Spirit. And so we have a direct line to heaven. Not just through 
his word, but by the power of the spirit of God working in us. And it says, these things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. So if people are in the flesh, they may mock, they may laugh, but it's simply because they are blinded to spiritual things. The Bible says the God of this age has blinded the minds of those who do not believe. And that's why you need to be discerning about who you listen to and about what you're feeding on and on what information and and, and who you're associating with. Amen. Hallelujah. The Bible says, you know, that uh, in the book of Psalms that, you know, if someone fears the Lord, they will be my companions. Amen. We need to be discerning. And it says, um, but he who is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Hallelujah. Praise God. How many of you are glad that we have the mind of Christ? Therefore, we can access the wisdom of God through him. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 speaks of God's wisdom rejected by natural men but endorsed by heaven and contained in God's eternal word. Um, It was the U.S. musician Pete Seeger said this, education is when you read the fine print. Experience is what you get if you don't. Amen. And so most of us have had too much of that kind of experience. Amen. Oscar Wilde said this, experience is simply the name we give our mistakes. And, you know, I think he he was somebody who could speak with some uh, degree of of, um, authority on that, you know. But uh, let me be perfectly blunt. Many of the issues we deal with in our lives are not necessarily demonic attacks or assignments of the enemy. It may simply be that we lacked wisdom. If you have a gambling or a drug habit, don't complain if you can't pay the rent. I remember uh, one time we were driving into church one Sunday morning and there was a grown man, but he was, he was riding a little kid's BMX and, and it just looked so strange because he, he must have been like in his, in his uh, 40s or 50s and he's cycling on this little kid's BMX and it just looked strange. And next thing I see, he, he, he rides up to Paddy Powers and walks in. That explained everything. Explain why he didn't have a car. Explain why, you know, why his life is a mess. Because he's given his money to Paddy Powers. So again, don't complain. If you have a drinking habit or a drug habit or a gambling habit, you know, if, if things are going wrong in your life, they won't go right because you're, you're, uh, you're, you're wasting your money. If you marry an unbeliever, don't be surprised to discover that you have Satan as your father-in-law. Okay, if you're lazy and you do the minimum at work, don't complain that you're being persecuted if you are fired. Okay, over and over the Bible emphasizes the importance of godly wisdom. Proverbs 4, 6 and 7, do not forsake wisdom and she will protect you. Love her and she will watch over you. Wisdom is supreme, therefore get wisdom. Though it costs you all you have, get understanding. The Message Bible says this, never walk away from wisdom and she guards your life. Love her and she keeps her eye on you. Above all and before all, do this, get wisdom. Write this on the top of your list, get understanding. I like that. Above all and before all, do this, get wisdom. Sadly, many people lose their career their reputation, their family, their wealth, their health, and even die young simply because they lacked wisdom. I think there's a Japanese proverb, thousands of years old, that says this, a reputation of a thousand years may be destroyed in just one moment. And there's a principle there. If you lack wisdom, you can lose everything because ultimately there is no substitute for wisdom because wealth can't buy it and intelligence certainly doesn't guarantee it. There's no shortage of educated fools out there because the Bible uh, reveals to us the wisdom of God. If you want to find wisdom, you will find it in the Bible. Matthew chapter 7 verse 25 talks about the wise man who built his house on the rock or on the word. Yeah, the, the Bible says the, uh, that Jesus Christ is the word of God. So we must build our lives on Jesus Christ and on his eternal word. Amen. Because while ability may get you to the top, it's wisdom that keeps you there. Amen. 
And so, are you a sold-out follower of Jesus? Then you should value wisdom, because 1 Corinthians 1.30 in the New Living says, God has united you with Christ Jesus for our benefit. God made him to be wisdom itself. Christ made us right with God, and he made us pure and holy and freed us from sin. The New King James says, But of him are you in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. Jesus Christ is wisdom personified. Amen? And we will find that wisdom in his word. It was the Irish playwright George Bernard Shaw who once said that youth is wasted on the young. And the older you get, the more you feel like that. But essentially, it's the acknowledgement that you can't put an old head on young shoulders, as they say. And sadly, many of us are older before we finally get wisdom. But this isn't the way it should be. Amen. It is always easier to listen to God. You know, people talk about learning from your mistakes. It's always easier to learn from other people's mistakes. Amen. But uh, Hosea 4 verse 6 says, my people are destroyed through lack of knowledge. Okay, so God has put the knowledge we so desperately need in his word. And we can access his wisdom irrespective of what age we are. Amen. And so again, I thank God that as an 18-year-old boy, I was handed a Bible by my mother. Not the keys of a car or, or a trust fund or anything else. She gave me a Bible. And you know what? It changed my life. And you know what? It will change yours as well. The Bible will change your life. It's interesting, the Hebrew word for proverb not only means a wise saying, but it also means to rule, to reign in power, or to take dominion. And if you will apply the, your heart to gaining godly wisdom, you will reign in life as well. And maybe this is why some of you are walking in defeat and failure and going from one unmitigated disaster to another, simply because you have not applied your heart to gaining wisdom. So today I wanna to give you seven vital aspects of wisdom and the first one is this, fear God. A.W. Tozer said this, outside of the will of God, there's nothing I want. Inside the will of God, there's nothing I fear. Isn't that powerful? Outside of the will of God, there's nothing I want. Inside of the will of God, there's nothing I fear. Praise God. Proverbs 9 verse 10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. The new living. Fear of the Lord is the foundation of wisdom. Knowledge of the Holy One results in good judgment. Proverbs 14 when verse 1 says, The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. You see, wisdom only begins with the fear of God. You will only be wise to the degree that you fear God. Because when you fear God, there's places you won't go, things you won't do, people you won't associate with. 1 Corinthians 15.33 says, Don't be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. For some of you, progress will only come as you choose to distance yourself from toxic relationships. How do I know what a toxic relationship is? It's a relationship that takes you away from God. Amen? There's some people, let me say this, you have some friends and you won't be with them for 10 minutes before you start knocking back beers or taking drugs or doing something dumb. Amen? That's not a good friendship. The fear of God will keep you. Hebrews 11 verse 7, by faith Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear built an ark to save his family. By his faith he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that is keeping with faith. The New King James, by faith Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear. So again, Godly fear will move you to do some things. What are you moved by? The fear of God or the fear of man? Are you moved by faith? Are you moved by fear? Amen. This is a season where we must choose faith, not fear. We must fear God. And let me say this. It all starts here. Because again, the only reason Moses was born was that there was women in Egypt who feared the Lord. Exodus chapter 1 and verse 13. And it says... So the Egyptians made the children of Israel serve with rigor, and they made their lives bitter with hard bondage, in mortar, and brick, and all manner of service in the field. All their service in which they made them serve was with rigor. Then the king of Egypt spoke to the Hebrew midwives, of whom the name of one was Shapira, and the other was Pua, and he said... When you do the duties of a midwife for the Hebrew women and see them on the birth stools, if it is a son, then you, are, then you shall kill him. But if it is a daughter, then she shall live. But the midwives feared God. What made the difference? They feared God. 
What made the difference when a gun was put to their head and they were told, you have no choice, this is what you must do? They feared God. Why did Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego defy the king? They feared God. And you know, I believe our society is rapidly coming to that place, whereas men and women of God, we may have to choose to uh, disobey an earthly king in order to obey our heavenly king. Amen? Hallelujah. And I think this is, this is something that, that none of us can, can avoid. And so, again, he said, you shall kill it for the boy, and let it live if it's a girl. But the midwives feared God, and they did not do as the king of Egypt commanded them. But they saved the male children alive. You see, that devil hates babies. He hates human life. And that's why the, well, I believe one of the... the, 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 the terrible, you know, a terrible reflection of where our society is at is the fact that, you know, every year millions of babies are aborted. You know, to have political leaders claim to be inverted Christian, inverted commas, Christians, and yet endorsing abortion and supporting the taking of innocent human life, it's appalling. And the fact that there are some Ministers who choose to either ignore or even endorse uh, this barbaric practice, and it is barbaric, and if you don't think so, go Google it and look and see what happens, amen? And, and you know, I think it's, it's, it's tragic because our society has buried this beneath euphemisms like healthcare or woman's choice, etc. No, it is the barbaric taking of an innocent human life, and surely there's nobody more innocent than a little baby. And this is what the king... Uh, the Pharaoh was asking these Hebrew midwives to do, and because they feared the Lord, they said, hell no. They said it in their heads, okay, they didn't say it out loud, but you know what, sometimes we have to be wise in how we, how we function and how we operate. And therefore, it says they saved the babies alive, and uh, the king called for them and said, why have you saved these children? And midwives said, because the women are not like the Egyptians, they're lively, they give birth before the midwives come to them. Therefore God dealt well with the midwives, and the people multiplied and grew very mighty. And so it was, because the midwives feared God, that he provided households for them. So again, God blessed these women because they feared the Lord. And you could say that deliverance came to the Jewish nation and salvation came to the world because of these women who chose to walk in the fear of God. Why? Because, because of their obedience, uh, Moses was born, whom God used to deliver the Jewish people, and by implication, you, you looked at Christ came uh, through the Jewish people as well, and so Christ our Savior, so you could say deliverance came to the Jews, salvation came to the world because of some women who chose to walk in the fear of God. And so the only reason the thief on the cross didn't spend the last 2,000 years in endless torment, shame, and regret in the fires of hell is that the fear of God gripped him in the very final moments of his life. What did he say to the thief who was blaspheming Jesus? He said, do you not fear God, seeing that you're under the same judgment as this man and he has done nothing wrong? Then he said to Jesus, Lord, when you come into your kingdom, remember me. Jesus said, this very day you shall be with me in paradise. You know, in his, as he was taking his final breath, the fear of God gripped him. Hallelujah. Amen. And thank God that he, he received forgiveness through Christ. And this is why it's important to understand this. Ultimately, you don't love God if you don't fear God. If you're downloading porn every night, I don't care how many scriptures you can quote or how well you can dance or praise the Lord, you do not fear God. You don't love God if you don't fear God. And you don't fear God if you refuse to deal with the sin in your life. Proverbs 1, 7, the fear of the Lord is the foundation of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. This is why I would encourage you to sign up for Bible school. The only thing it will cost you is your time, but I assure you this, it will change your life. We have tremendous Bible school teachers here, and you will, I, I, it doesn't matter if you've studied the Bible in the past, I, you know, don't take the attitude, I can't learn. You will learn, I assure you that. You know, make the time to join Bible school, because the fear of the Lord is rooted in knowledge of the Word of God. Amen? So you cannot truly fear God if you're ignorant of the Word of God. Job chapter 28 and verse 27. And it says, 
Therefore, he saw wisdom and declared it. He prepared it indeed. He searched it out. And to men he said, behold, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. And to depart from evil is understanding. So the fear of God calls us to depart from sin. And at times it will move you to do things that the world will not understand or respect. But when you live in the fear of God, it will change you forever. It will enable you to release the past and face the future without fear. Charles Spurgeon said this, he who fears God has nothing else to fear. Amen. When you fear God, fear loses its grip over you. He who fears God has nothing else to fear. Firstly, we fear God. Secondly, we love truth. Proverbs 23, 23. Buy the truth and sell it not. And wisdom and instruction and understanding. The Berean Bible. Invest in truth and never sell it. In wisdom and instruction and understanding. There's an old saying that the truth hurts. And to be honest, at times it does. Because any of you men that are married know that no one can speak truth to you like the Holy Spirit and your wife. And at times the truth hurts. Uh, but it doesn't hurt near as much as a lie which can destroy and ultimately damn you. Amen. Uh, Revelations 22 and verse 15 says, But outside are dogs and sorcerers and sexually immoral and murderers and idolaters and whoever loves and practices a lie. You see, wisdom says, I will value and embrace truth even if it hurts, even if it's coming through the unfiltered lips of my wife. Because ultimately, you know it's for your own good. That's why, be wise, listen to your wife. And wives, every now and then, listen to your husbands. Hallelujah. Proverbs 1 and verse 1 in the Passion Bible. Here are kingdom revelations, words to live by, and words of wisdom given to empower you to reign in life. We must love God's word if we would be wise because truly there are words to live by. Hosea 4, 6, my people are destroyed through lack of knowledge. You see, the word of God contains the wisdom of God. Psalm 119, 105, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Thy word is a light unto my feet and a lamp unto my path. I've got it mixed up there, but there you go. Uh, hallelujah. The word of God will give you light, so you must feed on it. Proverbs 1 and verse 4 in the Passion Bible. These proverbs will give you great skill to teach the immature and make them wise. To give youth the understanding of their design and destiny. That's why it breaks my heart to think about the church being closed for this last year. So many young people who are really getting little if no spiritual input into their lives. Amen. This is why a church matters. It's important. Because again, whenever we don't include God and his truth as declared in his word in the equation, invariably we arrive at the wrong conclusions. You see, there is, uh, Oprah is wrong. There is no such thing as my truth or your truth. Amen? There is only the, <laughs> there is only the truth. Amen? Hallelujah. This is why our generation is so confused and unstable. We have unwisely decided that, that feelings are more important than facts and that truth is somehow disposable. You know, even biology has fallen victim to our obsessive desire to rewrite truth in order to facilitate a godless liberal agenda. Because let me say this, men can't magically become women. Amen? Personally, I don't get how feminists claim to be pro-women when they support abortion, which kills millions of females every year, along with males, as well as being silent on the undermining, on the very real distinctions and differences between men and women, which will invariably lead to real inequality. Because if biological men can identify as women and now participate in sport, thus dominating female sports, um, uh, due to God-given physiological advantages, how can that be pro-women? Amen? So again, this is the, the this is why we must love truth. Um, Isaiah 59, 14 
It says, and judgment is turned away backward, and justice standeth afar off, for truth is fallen in the street, and equity cannot enter. And this is the irony of those who on one hand are fighting for uh, female equality, as they, as they call it, and yet at the same time accepting the proposition that men can now become women, uh, women become men, thus undermining the very principle of, of, of gender in the first place. If gender isn't a thing, why are you fighting? for equality and this is why our world is so confused we have left objective truth in order to pursue you know this crazy woke agenda and again it says uh, truth is fallen in the street you see if our society is to have a future and if our children are to have a life worth living, then we must repent. We must repent of rejecting truth out of fear of appearing unloving or intolerant. Amen. Hallelujah. I don't care if people think I'm unloving or intolerant. I'm determined to walk in truth. And I'm not going to, you know, step into the shadows of your clown world in order to make you feel comfortable. Okay, so I'm going to walk in truth. And uh, even if I'm the only person that's going to do that, I I'm going to walk in truth. And this is what was going through the heart of the psalmist when he prayed in Psalm 139. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. See if there's any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Psalm 51 and 6. Behold, you desire truth in the inward parts. And in the hidden part, you will make me to know wisdom. The new American standard. Behold, you desire truth in the inmost being. So God desires truth. We must take time to build on a good foundation. Matthew 7, Jesus spoke about the wise man building, uh, building on the rock. The truth, let me, truth is the only thing that will stand the test of time. Because God is a God of truth. And we must long to both know and walk in truth if we would walk with him. And that means, to be honest, not just with God, um, uh, but with ourselves as well as with others. And that can be painful. You know, the Bible talks about uh, Jacob that he wrestled with a man till the daybreak and he said I will not let you go until you bless me and the, the angel said to him he said what is your name and he said Jacob you know what Jacob means it means deceiver this was a moment of painful self-realization where Jacob realized I'm a deceiver I'm, I'm a liar, I'm compromised. But it was in that place of brokenness that God gave him a new name, Israel. Hallelujah. Amen. God gave him a new name. He gave him a new identity, Israel. And this is where some of you need to come. You need to admit, you know what? I'm addicted. Or, you know what? I'm a compulsive liar. Or, or, or you know, I'm, uh, Lord, I have an issue here with gossip or depression or whatever else it is. Sometimes you have to be, or, Lord, I have a problem with online shopping. <laughs> or whatever that issue may be. It's coming to that place of, of brutal honesty with yourself and with others. Amen. So firstly, fear God. Secondly, love truth. Thirdly, take responsibility. When God confronted Adam and Eve in the garden, what was the first thing Adam said? He said, the woman that you gave to me. And what did the woman say? The serpent. So everybody was passing the blame. Nobody wanted to take responsibility. And since the garden of Eden, mankind has been looking for someone to blame. Men blaming, men, uh, blaming women, women blaming men. Uh, black versus white, east versus west. At some stage we have to stop blaming each other and take personal responsibility for our lives. Because let me say this, in eternity we will not pass the blame, we will give account. In eternity, you will not be able to point your finger at anybody but yourself. 2 Samuel 12 and verse 7, And Nathan said to David, Thou art the man. Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, I anointed you king of Israel, and I delivered you from the hand of Saul. You know what? God lovingly confronted David with his sin through the prophet Nathan. You could call it the equivalent of a modern day intervention because this was a divine intervention. God confronted David. And if you allow the Spirit of God, he will confront you. You see, God was simply confronting David in love so he could repent and take responsibility for his sinful actions in sleeping, um, 
with Bathsheba and, and killing her husband because the truth is this, we need to stop blaming each other and deal with the sin in our hearts because it's always easier to see issues in the other person. But the Bible I read says if we judge ourselves, 1 Corinthians eleven thirty one. if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. Maybe the, let me say, maybe the issue isn't gender inequality, but rather your own lack of effort or ability. Maybe the reason why you're not being promoted isn't institutional racism, but rather your own laziness. I'm just asking the question. Because we have to start taking responsibility for our lives and stop buying into all of these excuses whereby we're blaming everybody except ourselves. Some of you need to stop blaming your parents, blaming your upbringing, your surroundings, your neighbors, the boss, the patriarchy, and just grow up and take responsibility for your life. 1 Corinthians 13, 11, when I was a child, I talked like a child, I taught like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put away childish things. You can choose to be a victim or you can choose to be a victor. I know what I'm going to choose to be. Taking responsibility means you work hard and you're willing to wait to see results because you don't arrogantly assume that success comes easily. You have to work for it. Amen? You have to work for success. It doesn't matter what realm of life you're dealing with. When I you know, hear some of these millennials talk about, I've been in this job three months and I still haven't been given a pay increase or a promotion. I'm like, what planet are you on? Some of us were in jobs for five, six years before that ever happened. I'm just saying, take responsibility and work hard. Work hard. Thank you, Jesus. Thomas Edison said this, opportunity is missed by most people because it is dressed in overalls and looks like work. Some people will put more work into avoiding work than the work that would have been avoided in simply doing the work. Thomas Jefferson, I'm a great believer in luck, and I find the harder I work, the more I have of it. Robert Louis Stevenson, don't judge each day by the harvest you reap, but by the seeds that you plant. What kind of seeds are you sowing today that you will be reaping tomorrow? You know, I appreciate this may be alien to a drive-through generation that wants instant, pain-free results. It's like the person who said, you know, uh, she, she came to a, a, a pastor and she said, you know, uh, I, 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 I hear you have the anointing to pray and people will lose weight. And it's, no, if you want to lose weight, stop shoving all that fast food down your gob, amen, and get some exercise. Hallelujah. Thank you for that complete silence. Silence is lambs right there. But anyway, uh, fear God, love truth, take responsibility. Fourthly, don't worry. Jesus said in Matthew 7, don't worry about your life. How many of you remember that song from the 80s? Don't worry, be happy. Amen? Hallelujah. Don't worry, be happy. Jesus said this. He was the first one that said, don't worry about your life. And, um, you know, because good decisions, bad decisions, you can learn from them both. And it may just be that you learn to never do that again, okay? But we don't have to live life with regrets because, okay, maybe you got divorced or maybe you failed or maybe things went wrong. But I thank God that we serve a God who says, behold, I make all things new. Revelations 21 verse 5, God can make all things new in your life in spite of where you have fallen or failed. Amen. And so we thank God for grace. Philippians chapter 4, it says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Verse 6, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication that your request be made known to God and the peace of God. You know why some of you don't have peace in your heart, peace in your home, is because you're an obsessive worrier. And how many of you know, worry is a sin, okay? It's not just, oh, that's the way I am, or that's the way my, my grandmother was a worrier, I'm a worrier, and, and no, worry is a sin. And here the Bible says, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication. So it doesn't mean we're like a, an ostrich putting our head in the sand, trying to avoid or ignore what's going on in our lives. We bring it to God. We bring it to God in prayer. And the Bible says the peace of God that passes understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. I love 
love this saying, don't sweat the small stuff. Paul wrote this from jail. Paul was in jail when he wrote this. Rejoice in the Lord always. Don't be anxious about anything. And the peace of God that passes understanding, even as the, the sewers of Rome were floating, flowing by his feet in this stinking Roman prison. And yet Paul understood, don't sweat the small stuff. Paul was in the jail, but the jail was not in Paul. You see, don't worry about things that you can't change. Bring it to God and trust him for an answer. Isaiah 40, even you shall faint and be weary, and young men shall utterly fall, but they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Amen? Learn to wait, not worry. Because you'll do one or the other. Amen? Learn to wait on God, not worry. Because people who pray don't have nervous breakdowns. Okay? If you have a strong prayer life, you are not gonna, you're not going to fall apart. Amen? Everything else may be falling apart around you. You won't in Jesus' name. Because all true servants of God wait on God. I love the story of Jesus turning the water to wine. That was my father's favorite Bible verse. The only Bible verse he knew. But he knew that one. He would quote it regularly. Um, but, you know, uh, you know, the turning of water to wine. You know, I love my dad. He was such a wonderful man. But... Um, <laughs> he used to quote this Bible verse. And I love where his mother said to, to the servants, whatever he tells you to do, do it. And then when they drew the water and the, the master tasted the wine, he said, this is the best wine. You've saved the best wine to last. And it says nobody else knew what Jesus had did, but the servants knew. When you have a heart to serve, you will be in close proximity to the miracle. I've even seen it over this last season. Those who've been on various teams serving have been still in church, you know, but there's something special about people who have a heart to serve. You know, we must have a heart to serve in Jesus' name. You see, it's always wisdom to wait on God. These servants were waiting on Jesus and therefore they were witnesses to his first miracle. You see, wisdom will teach you to wait. It will enable you to avoid the traps and the temptations. Galatians 4 verse 4, but when the time had fully come, God God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law. Some of the promises of God are time sensitive. That means it doesn't matter how much you pray or fast or scream or shout at God. He's not going to make it happen because it's time sensitive. Okay, so we have to be sensitive to the spirit of God. So learn to wait and don't worry. Learn to enjoy the journey. You may be single today. That's okay. Amen. You're single because God wants you single right now. But you know, you can believe and thank God for the right person at the right time. But you know what? It's better to be single and happy than to be married and miserable. Because you married the wrong person. I'm just saying. So learn to wait on God. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. You may not have arrived, but thank God you've departed. Amen. Enjoy the journey. Be glad for what you have. Child of God, don't worry. God has this. Your father loves you. He knows the end from the beginning. He holds the blueprints for your life. So learn to trust him. Deuteronomy 7, 6, for you are a holy people who belong to the Lord your God. Of all the people in the earth, the Lord has chosen you to be his own special treasure. And if you're his special treasure, then he's not going to forget you. He's not going to forsake you. He's not going to let you down. So we fear God. We love truth. We take responsibility. We don't worry. And the next one is drop it. Turn to your wife. Well, I can't do that. This, if there was people here, I would say turn to your wife and say drop it. It would be really funny, but I can't do that. So just going to move along. <laughs> drop it. Hebrews 12 and verse 15. You know, it's interesting. The Bible talks about in the book of Proverbs about a nagging wife of being like a, you know, a, a leaky, better live on top of a roof. Uh, but anyway, I'm, I'm not going to go there, but drop it. Hebrews 12 and verse 5. Looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble and by this many become defiled. Don't worry about the wrongs done to you. Just let it go. Drop it. Forgive as you have been forgiven. It's wise to not live in yesterday. A friend of mine had a heart attack and he said, John, don't let things get to you because the bitterness, the strife, the grudges, the rejection, it's not good for your heart. 
You see, you want God to judge them, but he won't justify you because you're bitter and angry. And that's not the fruit of the spirit. That is the fruit of the flesh. Think of the prodigal son. Just as the father had mercy on him, he will have mercy on them. So let's learn to keep short accounts with God and our fellow man. Let's forgive and forget. Let's drop it. Let's quit obsessing about the wrongs that were done to us in the past. Because the truth is, some of the things that happened to us, we may have deserved them anyway. Amen? And so, the, the situation, as painful as it may be, is an opportunity for you to grow. So let it go. So when the crap is thrown at you, and invariably it will, amen, know that you have probably thrown it at others as well in the past at times, and mercifully God forgave you, so you know what? Give to others just as you have received. Forgive as you have been forgiven. And thank God that he considers you mature enough to deal with it, so drop it. Amen? Keep strife out of your life. Avoid strife at all costs. Keep it out of your home. Keep it out of your marriage. Keep it out of your life. James 3 and verse 14. In the King James it says, But if you have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. This wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, devilish. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality, without hypocrisy. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. So again, keep strife out of your life. You see, Joseph had been betrayed by his own brothers. He had been sold as a slave. And while as a slave, he honored God and he honored Potiphar by doing the right thing and not sleeping with his master's wife. And yet, notwithstanding that, he's thrown in prison anyway. He helps the butler, but the butler forgets him. Clearly, he had been wronged by so many people in his life. And yet, when he finally gets the call to come before Pharaoh, he changes his clothes and he shaves. Why? Because he is dressing for where he is going, not for where he has been. You know what? He chose to drop it. I assure you, if he hadn't shaved, if he hadn't changed his clothes, Pharaoh would have been looking for somebody else. But you know what? When his moment came, he was ready because he chose to drop it. You cannot step into what God is doing today as long as you insist on living in yesterday. You know, Genesis chapter 50, you know, Joseph's brothers were afraid that he was going to take, um, uh, you know, revenge on them. And they said, perhaps Joseph will hate us and actually repay for the evils which we have done. And uh, verse 19, Joseph said to them, do not be afraid, for am I in the place of God? As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good, in order to bring it about as it is this day to save many people alive. Now therefore, do not be afraid. I will provide for you and your little ones. And he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. You know what? Joseph had gained two things, humility and perspective. Because even while his brothers still feared reprisal, he demonstrates the wisdom of God that now rules in his heart and he declares you meant it for evil but God meant it for good so let's drop it he understood that those who insist on living in yesterday will always miss out on what God is doing today we must learn to listen as well as to speak Ecclesiastes 3 7 there's a time to be silent there's a time to speak the early days of Joseph you look at his life he lacked wisdom he was broadcasting to everybody about the great visions he had you know there was a degree of pride in what he was sharing as he spoke about the vision, but now with the benefit of years, God has given him perspective and humility. Amen? Hallelujah. You meant to free will, God meant to for good. The Bible says God turns all things to the good of those who love him. So irrespective of what you're going through right now, know this, you know what, Lord? You're going to turn this to my good in Jesus' name. James 1.19, my dear brothers and sisters, take note, everyone should be quick to, sp- to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. You know what the problem is? Most of us are quick to speak and slow to listen. Amen. You know what James is saying here? Drop it. Don't go looking for arguments. Learn to listen. Fear God. Love truth. Take responsibility. Don't worry. Drop it. 
Hallelujah. Honor God. I have only two more points. Give me, give me two minutes and I'm finished. Honor God. Proverbs 3.9. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of your increase. Give God your first fruits, not your last fruits. Matthew 6.33. Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. All these things be added unto you. That's why we tithe. That's why we honor God with our finances. We're giving him our first. It's easy to give God your last fruits after you've paid everything else. But when you give God your first fruits, you're honoring him. And we need to honor God in every area of our life, and that includes our finances. We always put God first in every area. Honor God in our last point, have faith. Have faith in God. You know, Lester Summerall, the great missionary evangelist, said this, when you feed your faith, you starve your doubts. Luke 1, 37, with God, nothing will be impossible. You might be facing all sorts of impossibilities in your life today. Know this, child of God, nothing is impossible. Because Matthew 19, 26, Jesus looked at them and said, with man, it is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. You see, with God, all things are possible. Hallelujah. All things are possible with God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I remember when I was thinking about this stadium when we needed a building. It seemed utterly impossible that we would be able to move into this stadium, but God made a way. Amen. God caused, I remember the time when, when I first met Joanna for the first time, and I fell in love with her right there and then. I, I know love at first sight is a real thing, because I was in love with her from the moment I saw her. It seemed impossible. Even when I asked her out three or four times, and each time she said no, it seemed impossible. But you know what? God put something in my heart, and today I'm married to her. This morning, I woke up next to Joanna Chu, the most beautiful woman I'd ever seen in my life. We have five beautiful little babies today. We're blessed. We're happy. We're not perfect. She's still working on me. She got me in kit form. But you know what? God is working and we're happy. You see, God causes impossible things to come to pass. I remember when I was a mechanic, you know, under cars, down in Kerry, dreaming of being a preacher with no idea of how it would come to pass. But you know what? Today, here I am. I'm standing here. God causes impossible things to come to pass. But you know what you need to do? Have faith. Have faith. Believe God. Are you facing impossibilities? Good. Good. Then you realize you can't do it without God. This is why we need revelation, not just information. This is why you can have everyone and their granny praying for you, but it will be no substitute. It won't benefit you unless you have faith yourself, unless you're standing in faith. That's why, you know, people are always, oh, pray for me, oh, pray for me. Pray for yourself. God hears your prayers. Amen? Hallelujah. This is why you must believe. Jesus said in John 11, 25, um, I'm, just going, I'm just finishing as the worship group come forward. John 11 and verse 25. And it says, Jesus said to her, I'm the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, yet shall he live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Do you believe? Jesus wants to know if you believe. Jesus, verse 40 said, did not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God. And I say to you today, child of God, if you will believe, you will see the glory of God. I was talking to Sylvia. Frank is in hospital at the moment. Keep him in prayer. We're believing for a miracle in Jesus' name. But Sylvia was talking to Frank one morning after he got up. And she said, how are you, how are you Frank? And he started talking about, about uh, you know, this and that. And she said, no. She said, uh, uh, she said, Frank, don't tell me how you have been, but how you are. Are you looking at what the word says or at what the world says? And I thought it was such a great quote and something that we need to, every day we have to choose. Are we going to look at what the world says? Are we going to look at what the word says? Are we going to look at how we feel or are we going to, uh, based on what we believe? Hebrews 12, 28 in the message. Do you see what we've got? An unshakable kingdom. And do you see how thankful we must be? Not only thankful, but brimming with worship, deeply reverent before God. For God is not an indifferent bystander. He's, he's actively cleaning house, torching all that needs to burn, and he won't quit until it's all cleansed. God himself is far. And that's what God is doing in these dark and uncertain times where so much is being shaken. 
Faith is the only sure foundation to build your life upon. Dare to believe God big. Live for Christ. The wisest investment you can make with your life is to live for Jesus Christ. My final verse, Daniel 12 and verse 3. Those who are wise will shine like the brightness of the heavens and those who lead many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. Amen. And so, hallelujah. You can live for Jesus. Amen. The wisest thing you can do is commit your life to Him. And you know, we're going to have Zoom rooms in the bottom. You can connect with them there if you need personal prayer. But uh, you know, before I finish, the wisest investment you can make in your life is to give your life to Jesus Christ. So I want to ask you today, do you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Have you been born again? The Bible says, therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, the, 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 the thief on the cross, he extended his hand to Jesus Christ in the final moments of his life. He, he extended his hands to God in faith and he received, he connected with the grace of God. The Bible says the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared unto all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and unrighteousness, we should live soberly, godly, and righteous in this coming age. You see, God's grace is being offered to you today. What must you do to be saved? The Bible says whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Have you called on that name? I'm not asking, were you baptized as a baby? Do you pray? Do you do philanthropy? Do you do good works? Or are you, are you a good person? The Bible says all of us have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. So it's wisdom to acknowledge this and to realize our self-righteousness cannot save us. <coughs> Jesus said you must be born again. And so I want to give you an opportunity and lead you in a very simple prayer today. You can call on that name. And I don't know where you are, what's going on in your life. You may be addicted. You may have done all sorts of evil things in your life. God's grace is extended towards you. You know, the thief on the cross had nothing to offer Christ except his sin-hardened heart. But in those final moments, he connected with God's grace and you can connect with God's grace today. The wisest thing you can do is surrender your life to Jesus Christ because without him, you are not ready to die Without Him, you are not ready to face eternity. Fact is, none of us can avoid death, but through Christ, we don't have to fear death. Hallelujah. We can put our trust in Him. So pray this simple prayer at me right now. Say, Lord Jesus Christ, I believe in my heart that you were born of a virgin and that you lived a perfect life. I believe that you died on the cross in my place bearing my sin and shame. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus Christ, and forgive me of my sin. I accept you as my Lord and Savior. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Thank you, Jesus, for washing me in your precious blood. I declare today that Jesus Christ is Lord of my life. Amen. Father, I pray for every person watching today, Lord. I don't know what's going on in their lives, Lord. I just pray for healing and wholeness, deliverance, restoration, hallelujah, breakthrough, favor. In the mighty name of Jesus, peace in the midst of the storm. We speak, we speak peace today to every storm. Bring peace, Lord. Bring wholeness. Bring restoration. Help them to know that they're loved, Lord. Help them to know that they matter, that you have a plan and you have a purpose. In Jesus' precious name. Amen. Hallelujah. So like I said, if you want prayer, the Zoom room's down at the bottom of the link there. You can click them. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, uh, let us know in the comments. If you need a Bible, let us know and we'll send one to you. We love you. We bless you. And we're going to finish with a song. And just to remind you again, hope you can join us next uh, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday as we fast and pray and believe for revival, restoration, repentance, breakthrough, healing. Hallelujah. God's glory to be seen in Jesus' wonderful name. We love you and God bless you. Amen.